Right, lads. Thing about Anne O'Brien is right. Oh, not only, obviously, the John Giles link. John Giles apparently is her uncle. She's a distant relative of Jimmy Conway, who's a former Bowes and Fulham and Man City player back in the sixties, and uh, she's Gerald O'Brien's auntie as well. And I think you, were you saying to me there's a few more, a few more O'Briens and Giles is chucked in there. Yeah, you'd have to. Um, John Giles' son Chris was the the, the co-manager of the the Sheriff YC team that won what six AOL titles in a row. Right, was the most successful team in the club's history. And then obviously his son Craig now is playing with Shells, and there's a bit more. Uh, you know, John is what a uh, uh, cousin of Con Martin, and uh, his grandson is. Owen Garvin who right. played Ireland in 21 so there's an awful lot of uh, history in that yeah family. serious football royalty I can't really imagine what it's, I'd say of all of them I mean John Giles especially if you think about it back then how famous John Giles would have been, been like been like Beatlemania being around Giles I'd say and you imagine mm. him just popping over with, with the fact that it's a Christmas type show this imagine him popping over for Christmas and say all the football on Stevens Day how intimidating it would be you'd be afraid to say anything you'd be straight down your bloody neck like uh, it'd be like having Joe Dolan over to your house, I suppose. Be, uh, <laughs> in what way? On, on that level. <laughs> in, what, in what way would it be like to have Joe Dolan? Because you wouldn't want to say it. Giles got a cracking voice, is he? I can see him doing a, a few he, show he tunes has, already. He has done a few. Does he, he do something on... That one where him and Dunphy and all are drunk in the pub and singing? No, it wasn't even in the pub, did it? Didn't they do it on a... It was a Miriam O'Callaghan show or oh something like God, that or well, years ago. Let's see if we can outro the show with that, so... The old triangle or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So Anna O'Brien, the first woman to play professional football outside of Ireland. It's a very, very interesting story all in all. Former Stade de Rheim, Lazio, tranny midfielder and occasionally Irish international, which we'll touch on a bit later. Five Scudetti, two Coppa Italia, three French titles. And uh, if you go back and find a couple of quotes, according to the book, De Zonario del Calcio Italiano, you can uh, probably tell I can no uh, parlez-vous Italiano there but yeah she was an elegant midfield playmaker adept at reading the game and uh, capable of precise passing so uh, this obviously I'm just going to put this straight out there that little quote there straight out whipped off Wikipedia that one you might not have told that. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I promise the rest of this won't be straight whipped off Wikipedia um, but yeah I, th- I thought from what I've read it was well worth including that line she she just seems to have had boundless energy, really, really gifted technically and, and very team orientated as well. And and her sort of origin story, if you will, uh, is, is a little bit of a fairy tale stuff. You go back to uh, Inchicore 1956. I mean, she she playing a little bit there with Julian Vards and Ballier, uh, made it to the Dublin All-Stars. And then in 1973, she's called up to the Irish national team to play Stade de Rem, who were they were hot shit back then. And apparently she, she just lit up that game. Um, I mean, at the age of 17, the, the, the REM manager, Pierre Joffrey, signed her up for the rest of the tour. It, uh, Dave, we talk about dream team all the time on this podcast. Seems like mm. far too much, and I'm going to shoehorn it in again. That's a, that's a dream team plot line. Thankfully, with no sort of miserable afters, like they, had, they always had bus crashes and stuff like that. None of that in this kind of story. But like, it really is The owner's it. trying to kill everyone. Yeah, <laughs> but it really, is, it really is an incredible intro story. Like, I mean, it's, you know, getting called up to play 17... You know, it's it's it is. It's like a it's like the story of a, a movie, like you know, going out and playing in that that kind of scene. You know. Yeah, it's what that film goal where your man. Yeah, is, uh, exactly. He's walking around the street, chilling a ball, and all of a sudden he's playing for Real Madrid. Alan walks by and goes, "Oh, you're yeah. decent. I'm just oh, holiday yeah. in Mexico." He had a period in Newcastle before <laughs> he was at Real Madrid. But, but yeah, th- th- it it's it's also comes at a really interesting time because it's uh, of that era. Um, women would have been banned from being professional footballers in a lot of countries, including France. 
So this would have been only shortly after that. Um, so again, apart from yeah. you know coming at the age of seventeen and playing at that level, the backstory behind it all—it's it's, you know only you know sl- starting to become slightly progressive at this point, and already getting in at, at that level, playing at such a high level. Because Stade Ram, as I said, they were they were a big big team back then, you know. Yeah, well, I wouldn't overreg it as being progressive. That's <laughs> well for yeah, for le- its time less regressive. Not for now. But yeah, it, the the context of it is, I suppose, that in a lot of Europe and particularly in in the UK and in and in England, um, from about nineteen twenty one, uh, women were basically banned from playing football on any sort of um, you know organized uh, organized way in an FA pitch or anything like that. Uh, it wasn't quite the same in Ireland. There was always kind of the the camogie and. Uh, and you know uh, Gaelic football for women but it was generally quite strongly encouraging it, or discouraging I know a lot of um, even within my own family a lot of women kind of would have liked to play sports but were kind of told that they couldn't which is kind of the, the, the climate that you were in at the, uh, in at the time and um, you know it was within that context that you know somebody like Anna Bryan came through and you know there, there was no there was no prospects here, no, no. prospects in the UK, because obviously England didn't didn't um, kind of start to tacitly sort of allow women's football into the late sixties. So it, it was generally main mainland Europe where they're maybe a bit more a bit more ahead of the curve. And if you see, you know, France and, and Italy and places like that, where where she did end up was the kind of the, the only avenue where you could go if you wanted to play football for not even for a living, but for something that you could do at a high level yeah. and, and kind of uh, make it at least part of your part of your living and, and, and that was the context in which you came up and to add context to that we might even put a little clip of it when we can if possible here leave a little space there's a great interview she did with RTE I'm sure you've probably seen the old archive clip of it uh, she's speaking in 1974 to Tom McCrocran who um, ju- just before her move to France and, and it's, it's an unbelievable interview considering she's only 17 at the time you can see she's trying to stifle the excitement, she's biting the lip sometimes, trying to, you know, look as calm as possible. But in terms of today's media training, it really has a smack of that, where you're like, how is she keeping so calm? She's not, you know, she's not in any way showing off her going mad or, or anything like that. And even then, adds a lovely little uh, sort of Irishism uh, when she's asked by, she essentially says the French coach has, has asked her to come and play for the team. She says, oh, yeah, that'd be grand. You're like, yeah, that's definitely what you said to the French. That'd, that'd be grand, yeah. yeah, cheers. But it's it's it really is, I thought, looking back, it's it's well worth a look up, that interview. Mm-hmm. She went on then to play for three years in France, um, having a great old time, but won successive titles, made the move across to, to Italy, playing for Lazio uh, after a tour. Those tours seemed like um, perfect opportunities to essentially steal players. You wonder why they did them. I mean, yeah. the Irish, you know, obviously she was picked up on, on the French tour over here and then moved again for the tour over to Italy and must have wouldn't have been like the transfer window back then. It must have just been a way for to highlight your players, how good your players were, and to show them a different life you could have. It seemed like I'd say partly that, and also there's partly money making because you know if you don't have an organised league, that's uh, yeah, that's you know uh, commercial to any sort of real extent. You know, tours are kind of the way you can you can get around that. And you see it even now with the, the USA national team, yeah, you know they they you know they have a league, they have an organised league. It seems to be quite well supported, but the way most of those players still make the money is by doing exhibition shows so it's kind of um you know it's it's, it's just <laughs> you know when you're not in the the commercialized world of of men's football that you have to be more creative italy was in a, a bit of a golden era at the time as well uh, and she seemed to play as a bit of a 10 
uh, at this time seemed to suit her skills that we talked about a little bit earlier. And she clearly had a lot of love for Rome and, and for Lazio themselves. Uh, she's done further stints at the club, which we'll come on to. But she won her first of her five Scudettis and Italian Cups at Lazio before moving on to Trani in the south of Italy for a year, uh, picking up a league and a cup double there. Second stint then at Lazio for another cup win, went to Medina, uh, was playing... Uh, but was interrupted at the time, the birth of her son, Andrea, uh, sort of stopped her playing for a little while. How about this, right? Apparently after that, she was right back playing out there quite soon. I think an article I read by the 42, her brother, who was interviewed in it, he said it was about four weeks after, which is uh, is fairly Mm. astonishing if that's true. Yeah, I suppose it it still happens now when players have... Does it, yeah? Well, I suppose back then would have been seen even as differently again, wouldn't it? To come back... Yeah, maybe at all after something like that. Maybe would it, again. You talked about being. But so it's in the context of this time. time when even you know you're still expected when like in Ireland you're expected if you had a civil service job that you give it up when you get yeah, married. It's kind that's of that's what like, I mean. Yeah, it's a different. Uh, so it's a different, a different completely way of working and a way of living and obviously worked very well for her. Yeah, it's the kind of determination by the looks but they helped her go on to win three more titles at Granada and Milano 82 before she hung up her boots at 38 and she wasn't finished at that point. She did her coaching badges, went on to coach Lazio and, and work at kind of a couple of different levels in uh, Italy and in, in youth levels. I did neglect, I went through the whole club career there quite rapidly but I neglected the international side and that's because apparently there were financial and logistical uh, issues with that and I imagine in terms of scheduling difficulties what could you possibly be talking about with the yeah. FAI <laughs> could literally be taken from today um, but she yeah she only apparently ever got back to play four international games mm. which she is absolutely she won more Scudetti than she uh, played <laughs> that's a great point yeah I mean that's it really is stunning. I mean, you could definitely make an argument to see, say that she's probably one of the greatest overlooked club players not to represent her country uh, enough. I, I don't think there's any doubt in that because you look at how highly she's rated from her teammates at that time, from you know football at the time. As I said, it was a, a pretty golden age for Italian football on the women's side. The popularity was quite high up there a lot of the time as well. You know, There was a really good turnout for games and things like that. So I think generally it was suggested that it was largely a, a money issue and... and that the players weren't really maybe looked after in terms of the Irish national team as, as well back then. God, you're talking about a different FAI. Right? I know, yeah, I know. But it seems like such a such a throwback. Yeah, but I, I think even at the time, like if you look at the team she was playing for, like Medena, like these aren't massive places in Italy, even it was still a very much a minority sport. And especially in Ireland, it wasn't even considered a sport at all. You know, it was, well, maybe maybe that's an exaggeration, but, it, you know, it wasn't something that featured on the radar of an awful lot of people and definitely the FAI who didn't, you know, if it costs uh, you know a few hundred quid to fly her over from Italy, even if it makes the team better, and and could potentially be the difference between you know success and non-success. Yeah. If it's not on your radar, you're not going to be, you know, <laughs> I don't think the I don't think football in Ireland has changed an awful lot since you even see Julian Russell come back coming back into the squad now. Um, you know, she wasn't in the squad while she was in Australia. Vera Pelf comes in. Mm. Suddenly she's come back from Australia, so I think it's a it's a general under undervaluation of the of the sport in general, and I suppose it's probably more more um I would just say more uh, more pronounced than that day because uh, I guess it did cost a bit, little bit more to do things like that, but you know they can always get players over from England and uh, from male players yeah. they can always get them over from you know Liam Brady come over from wherever and it's, that's it's, it. It's, like. a, it's just seen a different way, and it's kind of a, it's disappointing, but it's a, it's not surprising, I suppose. But as you said, look, it's a different age now. We're clearly past that. Uh, women's team changing gear in the airport bathrooms. 
yeah, we move on from that. Um, and passed away at, at 60 years old in, in 2016, and there's some really, really good tributes out there. Um, I was look, trying to browse through a couple of different ones mentioned at the time. One uh, Lazio website, uh, according to the 42 that I had put in, um, this quote, one of our eagles has flown to heaven, which I thought was a, a classy old touch. But Carolina Morace, I think is how you pronounce it, the Italy Hall of Famer, um, would have played with her at, at quite a bit and she called her one of the best players in the world and an inspiration so again stunning that and I think to be fair I think it had been in subsequent years more recently reported what kind of a player Anne O'Brien was and and how talented she was and maybe how overlooked she was over here you know in terms of being a household name Um, but she she goes down as one of the greatest ever imports on the Italian uh, women's side of the game and at a time when you imagine that would have been fairly competitive you know Um, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, even by the the or the the reaction to her death, you know, that was quite striking. Obviously, you mentioned the the Lazio thing when one of our eagles has flown mm. away. That's you know that's quite a strong statement to be yeah. making, especially on a club website. That's it. Um, but yeah, no, definitely has to be probably up there as one of the greatest exports that mm. Irish women's football has had. But you know, um, sort of a, a blazing a trail as well in terms yeah, de- of definitely. what was to come. You know what I mean? We we talk to a lot of the the players now who are playing in in places like Italy, and you imagine to certainly uh, those in Rome and and stuff like that. A lot of people would have uh, certainly seem to have a lot more of a memory than we do here. And you imagine there'd be an element of that. Uh, any Irish player that goes, oh, I mean, Steph Roach, we talked to going over to Italy. You imagine there's going to be an element of, oh, next on O'Brien, next on O'Brien. We see the goals she can score. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a level to certainly level to aspire to by the sounds of it. Um, and and actually, just a, an interesting side note uh, I spotted as I was looking up this story. There's some amazing players she'd have played with at the time, like Rose Riley. Um, and it's well worth as an, a Guardian article on Rose to to check out. She <laughs> essentially she she. Nearly, nearly would have played. I, I think I don't think she would have ever played with Anne actually, despite sharing two of the clubs around the same time. But Rose won two championships in two different countries in the same year, uh, flying out to Rheims in France the day after she would have played her games in Italy. So you can't imagine anything like that happening now. You know what I mean? No, not anymore. Obviously, it's probably got a bit more professional than that. But um, yeah, no. Um, I suppose it probably just wouldn't be allowed to happen now as well. Mm. Um, recovery as well like you know if a player was to if like if you're to go from that to that within the space of a day it's just not going to happen but um yeah no definitely yeah yeah really is it's it's outstanding some of the stories that have come from that time and again i'll just you know in terms of a little bit of further reading on this because i mentioned the 42 so i have to give on callan a bit of credit for an excellent article he did um with Anne's brother tony um i know a couple of, i can't remember how long ago it was i know off the ball did a piece i think jerry gilroy spoke to Anne o'brien back in 2014 before she passed uh, so i'm sure you can find that out there somewhere and just a, a little interest when i read on the as, as i was looking up this story um, the unknown legend of calcio uh, by Kevin Nolan, I think it was not that one, I imagine. Um, so, so yeah, just a couple of, of further reading uh, little bits to, to check out on that story. Yeah, and just to to finish up as well, it's just something that serendipitously serendipitously happened to me uh, a couple of months ago when I was I was, actually, I was actually in a taxi going to a game that subsequently um, in a, a blonde moment for myself it turned out to be the the following day. So I spent. <laughs> Which game was this? Uh, it was supposed to be a DLR Waves game and I uh, got the taxi down on the Saturday when it usually happens and found out that it was actually on a Sunday for once. 
but uh, no, um, the taxi driver was actually a friend of Anne's, and uh, he was kind of telling me a story. It didn't even come up about about her. It was we were kind of chatting about general things, and kind of he he kind of brought up that you know he was over in Rome uh, for a holiday, and obviously being a taxi driver, he's very kind of interested in taxi related. Uh, antics, and uh, he was talking about how you know all the all the taxi drivers were there, trying to rip him off and stuff like that. And one of his friends over there was, you know, was Irish. She lived over there, and it turned out to be Anna Bryan, and she kind of, uh, you know, uh, laid down the line to certain people. And they were in a restaurant, and a similar thing happened. They brought you know a menu, and they ordered food, and then they tried to order, or tried to charge them twice as much, and showed them a fake menu they had food that was twice as much on it and kind of Anna O'Brien came out and kind of said you know what what, what are you doing <laughs> I know what you're up to you know yeah. and you know that was just kind of an interesting story because it kind of came full circle because I think he was uh, involved with Pats at some stage so it's kind of a, you know it's an interesting kind of little way of wrapping yeah, it all up yeah fantastic you imagine given that she, she you know she's a veteran of that place at that stage she's probably put up with all sorts of crap through the years playing football in that kind of context around you know yeah Italians they're all they're all no I'm saying people are just <laughs>